Welcome in to the Illini cast, Austin Berklin alongside Sonny Verma. And it's been a while, but we are happy to be back. And Sonny, how has your night been going? Night's been interesting. As some of you that are paying attention, we were supposed to go on uh, about 40 minutes ago. And then right as I was about to hit that live button, my phone started blasting off and we heard the tornado sirens outside. So... The missus and my two little kids uh, came downstairs to the basement and I told Austin, hey, we're going to have to hold off for a minute. So I appreciate your patience, Austin, and I appreciate your uh, patience, uh, viewers. I mean, it, the weather is just crazy in Southern Illinois, at least. It's gone from summer to winter to fall to spring, all within like two hours of each other. It's uh, It's been crazy to experience uh, this February weather for sure this year. It was, it was 71 today when my daughter got off the school bus, so we went around for a little walk. And then when my wife goes to work in the morning, the, the, it's scheduled to be 26 degrees. <laughs> I mean, the it old saying, if you, yeah, the old saying, if you don't like the weather, wait an hour. Uh, so that's been, what's been going on. And like a line of basketball, if you don't like the result, just wait the next game and they'll correct it. <laughs> Like and that segue, Austin. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Illinois wins 95 to 85 over the Iowa Hawkeyes in Champaign on Saturday. And it was really the Coleman Hawkins show. 30 points, uh, five assists, five steals, and just an unbelievable performance. Definitely the Coleman Hawkins game that we all needed uh, to experience after the loss that of Penn State. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people agitated with Coleman Hawkins, you know, and hand raised. Uh, if any of you watched that post game um, of, that I did after that Penn State game, it wasn't much of a post game. It was 20 minutes of me saying, what just happened? I don't understand what just happened. Me looking, double checking, triple checking the box score to see, to confirm that we had lost that game. And, you know, I made a couple comments about Coleman saying, hey, you can't be talking all that smack on Twitter and then sh just not showing up the way you did against Penn State and, you know, missing those two costly free throws at the end of the game and making that really dumb foul. But, you know, it looks like him and Brad had a very intimate conversation uh, in the coach's office and he's deleted apps on his phone and, you know, he seems to be really focused on what what's important now. And, uh, yeah, you saw it. 30 points and I think he only took like 11 shots uh, right let me he was nine for 11 from yeah. the field and then nine for 11 with his free throws and three for five from behind the three-point line just the efficiency you need to see and again I keep saying this line if Illinois wants to get where Illinois expects to go Coleman Hawkins is going to have to be a big part of that and he was the star of the show I mean Terrence Shannon Jr. only had 12 points. That's nine points below his season average. And if Coleman didn't have the game that Coleman Hawkins had, Illinois is looking at a 10 and six conference record. And we're thinking, oh, is this a five or a six seed in the NCAA tournament? What's going on here? At least Illinois kind of course corrected. And Coleman Hawkins was a huge part in that. Well, I mean, think about it, Austin. Uh, before the game started, if I told you that at the end of the game, Iowa would have 85 points 
and Damask and Shannon would combine to score 20 between the two, what do you think the final result of that game would have been? Uh, it would have been probably an Iowa 12-point win after the free throw game. Exactly right. You know, it's it's one of those where our two best players weren't our offensive weren't providing much offensively. And again, that kind of describes this offensive season for uh, the season in general for Illinois basketball for me, because like you have what was probably the most frustrating loss of the season uh, to Penn State just the game before. And then you see the ceiling of this offense the very next game where our two best offensive players barely show up and the team itself still scores 95 points. How many teams in the country can have their two best players not show up and still put in 95 and, dare I say, just almost effortlessly? Probably only the likes of a Marquette, UConn kind of tier of teams. Uh, Other than that, not a lot. Maybe Kentucky after their 115-point output that they had over the weekend. But that list is a very, very short list. I mean, again, Ty Rogers, two points in this game. Like, you're thinking, where did this offense come from if you just had 12 points from Terrence, eight points from Marcus Tomask, and two points from Ty Rogers? Well, you had a good Justin Harmon game. He had 12 points. And then you had a guy by the name of Nico Moretti uh, scoring nine points to help the cause and two for two from beyond the three-point line. I mean, this was a weird game in terms of the flow, in terms of how Brad Underwood coached it. He had almost a line shift, if you're talking in hockey terms, in the second half uh, with these guys. So, it, it was a fascinating game to watch, and it was a game that kind of Illinois needed to figure out who to go to when Terrence Shannon's not going. I mean, I, I actually want your thoughts on that. What did you think of it? It wasn't like a line shift. It absolutely was a lot like uh, it was a hockey <laughs> line shift when he basically what, it was like a minute and a half into the second half. Um, Iowa had scored and gotten rebounds, and basically Underwood, if you hear him tell it, he just had enough. Uh, he had seen enough, and he said those five butts needed to be on the bench. So he brought in five new guys, and it worked. All of a sudden, you know, the five guys that we uh, – the backups that we brought in um, were able to kind of change momentum around a little bit. That was a pretty ballsy move on Brad Underwood's uh, part, con- considering, like, we were losing at the point. You know, that's kind of a move sometimes you make maybe just to kind of set a tone if you're winning. But we were right in the middle of a battle against one of our rivals. And to have the confidence at that point of the game to make that move, I'm curious what your thoughts were. I I loved it. I mean, this is an Illinois team that's obviously playing for seeding. I think the Big Ten championship is out of reach for the regular season. So this is an opportunity for Brad Underwood to really send messages without too much of a uh, ding on what can happen at the end of the season. So the risk and reward was a perfect situation for Brad Underwood where the risk was so low. Yes, there would be a loss in there, but the reward was infinitely high with what it could do. And it motivated the starters. The second uh, unit gave a bunch of energy, gave a, gave some solid play and, Nico Moretti, I think he kind of carved out a couple more minutes per game here 
down the stretch with how he handled the ball in certain situations. So I, I think this was the perfect situation for Brad Underwood. It was almost like he wished it could happen this way, and 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 it did. Yeah, the Moretti game. You know, it's kind of what we've been hoping for. Uh, you know, him being able to provide on the floor like that kind of opens up so many more possibilities for our offensive team. Like, yeah, I don't think he's going to play. What was it? Uh, 17 minutes. 17 minutes. Yeah. Yes. I don't think he's going to play 17 minutes again, but if he can provide maybe four or five during the game and then, you know, with two, two minutes left, if we're only up four or five points, if we can just put him just to have, a guy who can handle the ball at the end when we know we're going to get pressed. I think that in itself could be really invaluable. And, you know, Nico really is one of the good stories in college basketball, as uh, you heard Brad talk about in his press conference. It's just a guy, just a kid who shows up every single practice, does his job, doesn't come to the coach's office to complain about his role, just shows up, supports his teammates and when his numbers called, I mean, he missed his first two shots. Mm -hmm. You know, when you miss your first two shots, credit to two people there to Brad Underwood for not yanking him. Cause I can see another coach at that point be like, all right, this was a mistake. Uh, I'm going to take you back out. No, he and only missed one. shot. Was, was it was his first shot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Sorry. You're right. And credited Nico for not losing his confidence. Yep. You know, just basically he kind of settled down after that. And, you know, he provided much needed. Because, I mean, you can't imagine Iowa scouted much for Nico Moretti. You know? No, absolutely not. So, you know, him and the Harmon, obviously Harmon sat on the bench for a better part of that first half. Uh, you know, Brad was definitely trying to send a message there. And again, it seemed to have worked. Harmon had his best game in, you know, a while for us. And, you know, we haven't been saying that very much this, well, I guess we have, but lately we haven't, uh, but Brad, every button that Brad Underwood seemed to have pushed against Iowa was uh, the right one. And Justin Harmon, six for six from the free throw line. That is a very important stat for Brad Underwood is can you make your free throws, especially after what we saw against Penn State. But a guy that I'm kind of worried about is Luke Goody. He played the lowest amount of minutes of the guys that played. He Only 10 minutes, one foul, three points. He was one for three from beyond the three-point line, only two rebounds this game. It feels like he's kind of at a crossroads right now where yeah, you see what Marcus Damask is doing. Um, you see Imani Hansberry coming in. Um, and there's just not a lot of like solid minutes for him at the at the moment. If he's not making shots and he's not rebounding, that's not a lot that he can do to help you out on the basketball court at the moment. I mean, I think you nailed it. If he's not making these wide open threes then at least Underwood will keep him in if he sees the hustle and grabbing rebounds and giving us second-chance points. But, I mean, he really got exposed in particular in that Michigan State game where, you know, where the Spartans made that run and they just continued to attack him down low, down low, and we'd give up basket after basket. And I think, you know, when Brad uh, kind of talked about two of the guys uh, at the end of games who he kind of tried to single out without naming names, I think Goody was one of them that he's just got to figure out 
another way to contribute to this team because I mean he's absolutely valuable. You know, he's he's a basketball smart guy. He has seemingly some physical limitations, but you know, he's just he's he's one of those guys where we just need to, to every time he catches the ball to shoot without thinking. If the shot goes in, that gives us yet another weapon on offense. If the shot's not going in, then there's guys on the bench that can contribute on the floor uh, moving forward. You have to go all the way back to January 27th for Luke Goody's last double-digit scoring output game, and that's not very – that's not great. He had five rebounds uh, against Penn State. He had zero rebounds against Maryland on February 17th, zero points, only nine minutes played there. He he needs to figure something out right now. He needs uh, some confidence at the moment. It's just uh, it, it's sad to see because I think he's still such a talented player, and you don't want a talented player battling like this uh, in this kind of moment whenever you kind of need him. He's a junior. He should be able to withstand some of these cold stretches and still maintain that hustle. And it, it's just, it's a bummer that all this is happening with like three games left in the season, four games left in the season. You know, you would think that all these guys would have settled into their roles by now. Like we wouldn't have to do a hockey shift in the middle yeah. of a game with, you know, five games left uh, because Brad was unhappy with the effort of that starting five. So you know, this, this team continues to be one that's just so incredibly fun to watch and also so incredibly frustrating to watch. And, you know, it, it's to this day, one of those teams where I'm sitting here now, I think it's a team that on its best day can honestly win the national championship. And on its worst day, I can absolutely seeing it go out, not just the first weekend, in the first round. First round. Yeah, I mean, if you battle Akron and you aren't playing tough defense, John Gross's team is going to eat you alive. And that's going to be very embarrassing for an Illini fan um, as a four seed, losing to potentially 13 seed Akron or 12 seed Akron if you're the five seed. I mean, there is a gamut of teams that are mid-majors that will out-hustle Illinois. And you need a Coleman Hawkins game like this uh, with five steals and... Um, and all of that to withstand some of that if you're not getting uh, the scoring output from Terrence Shannon Jr. It's – and then we got Minnesota tomorrow. We got uh, Wisconsin next week. We got Purdue and then Iowa. So it's like we don't even have that much time to figure it out. No, there's yeah. no figuring it out time. If you want to use the Big Ten tournament to figure it out, that's kind of sad. Like yeah. you, you, you don't want to go into that type of environment and try to figure it out whenever these teams are so hungry and they could just pants you kind of like Indiana did in the big 10 tournament uh, a couple of years back um, against Brad Underwood's Illini team. So I, I just don't think that you could do that because if that confidence is shot going into selection Sunday, then that that's awful. That's awful. So coming off of Penn State and Iowa, where's your confidence meter uh, in regards to this team? Um, 
10 being national champion, one lose in the first round to a 13 seed or a 12 seed. I am at about a, or yeah, switch those around. So one being national champion, 10 losing in the first round. I'm going to say I am at a four and a half. I still think this is a second weekend team. Um, I think when the lights are going to shine brightest, I think some of that Terrence Shannon, Madison Square Garden injury uh, energy will turn up like he had against Texas uh, last year. I, I think that Coleman Hawkins realizes what he's going to be playing for in the NCAA tournament when NBA draft scouts are going to be thick as thieves at these tournament sites. I, I think I think that's the reason why that this is a second reason, second weekend team. And if you just get enough from Marcus Damask, get enough from Ty Rogers, I, I think that's enough to win your, the games that you should win. I think I agree with you. Um, I actually would probably be even a little higher. Uh, I'd put myself at around three. I still think we should be able to clear that first weekend um, with the guys that we have on the court, with them being veterans at least. Um, I know we shouldn't be trying to figure out kinks right now with only a handful of games left in the season. Maybe this is just the eternal optimist that I always seem to be when it comes to the Illini, but I still genuinely think, like, as you said, when the lights are on, you know, we have not seen the best of Shannon yet. Uh, when Damask, we know, is not going to cave under pressure. Hawkins, I think he's waiting for that national moment, which I think can come in the tournament itself. I, I still think there's at least a second weekend uh, future for this team, but I also understand, like, this could be an all-or-nothing type of season. This could very much be a team capable of making it to the Final Four, or there's a, a team that's going to lose in the first round, and I'm not sure how much of middle I think there is. Yeah, I mean, this is a put-up-or-shut-up kind of NCAA tournament for Brad Underwood. It really is. Like, I'm not saying that he's going to get fired or in, on any kind of hot seat if he loses in the first round because he's the winningest Big Ten coach in the past three or four seasons. It's, it's something along five those years, lines. Yeah, five years. Five years. And, but again... If you lose in the first weekend and you had Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn, Trent Frazier, Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon Jr., and you don't make it to a Sweet 16 with all of that talent, that's going to be a red flag for some recruits. I know the name of the game is NBA, and if you're going to have Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon repping the orange and blue, in the NBA alongside Io DeSumo, then that's going to be great for Brett Underwood. But there's going to start to build a perception, and sometimes perception does become reality, and that's something that Brett Underwood's going to have to uh, address at some point. And I'm sure he's already addressing it. He's tired of doing it now. Yeah. You know, but the voices are just going to get that much louder you know, obviously we have some really good uh, talent coming in, but next year, like this team was built to win this year. Mm -hmm. You know, we have like five or six seniors who are going to be playing their last game of the season uh, for the orange and blue this year. Obviously I don't expect Coleman to come back next year's team is going to look completely different. And so it's, 
you know, it's time to, it's, it's a put up or shut up season. You know, it's uh right now we're somewhat lucky that we're hiding in the shadow of Purdue's failures. You know, the fact that yeah, they I mean, have been higher seeds than us and losing in the first round, but if they make a run in this postseason, which I think they probably will, the spotlight's going to clearly be on Illinois. And we already know how sensitive our fan base is to the reputation that we have. And we tend to take our frustration out on our coach. And so, as you said, I, I don't think Brad's seat would even be remotely warm, but he's going to have to, you know, be dealing with a lot of uh, bad vibes coming his way. Absolutely. I mean, what do you think of Iowa personally? Like, where do you think they are as a program um, after McCaffrey uh, left uh, his son? Um, where do you think they are as a program? You know, I think Iowa's Iowa. It's I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a diehard Iowa fan. It's, you know, because there's whispers now. I don't know if you've heard it about Fran being gone or meaning them like moving on from Fran. I can't comprehend that. Like, you know, with how good they've been uh, the last couple of years with, you know, Luke and the Murray brothers and whatnot. Like they're I would if I'm going to be a bad team. I want to be a fun-to-watch bad team. Does he have a glaring weakness, uh, and that's it being defense? Yeah, sure. By the way, how funny is that? Like, you know, the University of Iowa, just a completely reciprocal basketball and football teams when it comes to offense and defense. But, you know, uh, the Owen Freeman is a really nice young player. I think, you know, he's going to be a thorn on our size. He looks like he's going to be a four-year college guy, so he's just going to be – you know, all conference probably at some point, Big Ten rookie, uh, rookie of the year probably this year. I think he's already won the week, uh, week rookie of the year or week uh, nine times this year, this year or something like that. So, wow. Um, yeah, he seems to be a shoe in for that. You know, I don't like I don't like to say nice things about Iowa, but if I took my blinders off, there's no way I would consider moving on from Fran. Mm -hmm. I think, you know. He finds guys I've never heard of when it comes to the recruiting rankings, and they all of a sudden become contributors to basketball teams. And there's just very few coaches out there where I think Iowa can upgrade from. I mean, this is my, this might sound disparaging to Illini fans, but Fran McCaffrey is essentially Iowa Lou Henson. I mean, he's had some top four finishes in the Big Ten. Um Lou Henson had some weird seasons where he was like eight in the Big Ten. Um, but the only thing Fran doesn't have that Lou Henson does is a Final Four appearance. And that's kind of what's separating them. I mean, I, I think they're very similar in in talent. And I don't think you ever fire your version of a Lou Henson. You just kind of have to deal with the deal with the ceiling that you have. But the floor is just so high. Um, year to year. Um, and I, I just feel like that's what Iowa has right now. And it's, it's frustrating. I bet for Iowa fans, but Hey, uh, maybe one of these years you'll have a final four with Fran McCaffrey, just out of a random luck year of the right draw and the right matchups. And that's kind of what you kind of have to deal with if you're an Iowa fan. Yeah, they were going to need that victory over us to really have a chance for um, the NCAA tournament uh, this year. So it doesn't look like they'll be making it this year. But 
again, from what I saw from some of the young guys on that team, you know, Iowa's always tough to play. I'm certainly not looking forward to going to Iowa City last game of the season. And, you know, I hope really nothing is on the line at that point, um, unless it's you know, us beating Purdue and us uh, trying to get a share of the title. But, you know, I hope at that point we've got a top four seed in the tournament secured because, you know, it's it's a tough place to play. And it's because of them. You know, it's – I think the Sleepers media guys said this best. Like, Iowa is just a little less version – a worse version of us right now. Just pure yeah. offense. You know, they can score points in bunches. 85 points to Iowa. Look, I can understand being upset about um, giving up 90 to Penn State without their best player or giving up a high amount of points to Michigan State. Giving up 85 to Iowa – You know, they made like 14 straight free throws at the end of the game. I'm not as down on the defense uh, after this game as I was the previous couple. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm looking forward to not having to deal with them, Uh, particularly, you know, next year. Or, no, I guess uh, we have one more. I just talked about we have one more game against them at the end of the year. But. You know, it's they're not a fun team to play. They're just hard to play. But, you know, as long as their shots aren't falling in as often as ours are, um, we should be okay. I mean, the metrics were pretty similar between the first half and the second half defensively for Illinois. But the second half just felt different. It felt better. It felt more energized as a defensive unit. I would just made some tough ass shots uh, in that second half. And. Um, that's why I felt better about this, about the defense. It wasn't just a turnstile like it was the first half. So I, I got to give credit to that Iowa offense, just how they played and the shots that they made. But we have a game coming up on February 28th. That would be tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. But before we get into that, Sonny, we have our first sponsor. Our first sponsor, thank you so much, to Riverlands Brewing Company out in St. Charles, Illinois. Hey, beer lovers. Riverlands Brewing Company, your favorite Chicagoland craft beer friends, are throwing a big party for their five-year anniversary, and they hope you can join them. On Saturday, March 23rd, they're releasing the much-anticipated barrel-aged anniversary stout, Riverlands 5, and their anniversary triple IPA. For those who cannot make the party, you can find Riverlands Beer in the Chicagoland area craft beer stores. See riverlandsbrewing.com for details. Or for those out of state, you can find limited selections of our beer at tavour.com. That's T-A-V-O-U-R.com. Once again, visit Riverlands Brewing Company in St. Charles or riverlandsbrewingcompany.com. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring I, I, for the first time. I hear Riverlands Brewing Company is the brewer by friends, for friends. Is that true? <laughs> that You're exactly right, Austin. Good call. I, I can't wait uh, to try that beer. I will be buying that uh, online um, and bringing it down to Southern Illinois. I can't wait to try that triple IPA. That sounds absolutely fantastic. They're good folks. I, I got to strike up conversation with them a couple of weeks back and introduce them to the podcast. And they're big fans of the show, uh, so much so that uh, they're, you know, helping us out here. So, again, much appreciated. 
cheers, but this will have a <laughs> Riverlands Brewing Company beer in it. Soon. Uh, soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have that game tomorrow between Minnesota and Illinois. It's in Champaign, and the first 75, 750 fans or so are getting a free scarf, which I really want that scarf. I'm pretty jealous that I can't make it up to Champaign. Um, but Illinois is 11 and a half point favorites. What are your initial thoughts on this game, Sonny? I think 11 and a half points is ridiculous. Uh, the way we're playing defense right now, um, I can't comprehend the idea of giving anyone uh, double digit points um, to start the game off with. Uh, it's a game we should win and we should win decisively, but I have a lot of respect for Ben Johnson. I think he's one of the best up-and-coming coaches in the country. So if there's someone who can come up with some sort of offensive scheme um, against our lackluster defense, it's him. And so I'm not you know, chalking this game up uh, as a victory by any stretch. I mean, if you look at a similar team as Illinois, they – Lost 90 to 85 to Iowa on February 11th. So I think that's going to be a similar story as this game. Um, as I think Illinois will win, but I mean, the scoring output will be there for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And I think Dawson Garcia is a little bit of a matchup nightmare um, for Illinois. If Coleman Hawkins is uh, not guarding him, I don't trust uh, Quincy Garrier. Uh, to handle that responsibility at, for those rare occasions that Coleman's not on him. Uh, so I think this is going to be a situation where Minnesota is going to score a lot of points. They average 47% from the field this year. I, I mean, I, I think and 75 points a game. Uh, this is going to be a much closer game than anybody is anticipating, um, especially Vegas. So I'd hammer that plus 11 and a half and going back to Ben Johnson, if it wasn't for Chris Collins, He'd be your uh, Big Ten coach of the year with how he's performing. And that team was anticipated to be like what Michigan is, 3-14. and 14. They are 8-8 eight and eight in conference play this year. I mean, outstanding job, Ben Johnson. Outstanding job, Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, they've propelled the rebuild of that program in a way that I did not anticipate. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're going to continue to get better. Uh, they're a team that I think next year will make a solid run uh, to, to make the NCAA tournaments. They have a chance this year. They're going to have to knock us off, um, which I obviously hope doesn't happen. But I think they got two quad one games left in their schedule. And, uh, you know, so here's hoping that they don't aren't able to pull it off, especially I think they just had a bad loss to who did they just lose to. I, I think their loss that will haunt them is Missouri. They lost 70 to 68 to a team that's Yikes. 0 and 14. That's in a SEC bad Missouri team. Yes. Yeah, that's a bad um, they have, they have Penn state, Indiana and Northwestern to round out the year. So they have yeah. an opportunity against Northwestern and then um, Indiana. They are just uh, uh, Indiana's whatever Indiana wants to be that particular night. So yeah. best of luck figuring them out. I mean, like you said, I will take the overs on all of Dawson Garcia's statistics. Uh, I mean, he's basically Coleman Hawkins light, and uh, but we know we just have not been able to defend that type of player. But you know, unfortunately for uh, Minnesota, is they're a good offensive team and an okay defensive team. But the problem is that we are an excellent offensive team and an okay defensive team. So 
you know, what they are, we're just actually a lot better at. And so I do think we should come out uh, with a victory on our end. Just I, 11 and a half points is just too much. Yeah, you just got to take care of Cam Christie and Mike Mitchell Jr. Those two guys are the only double-digit scorers alongside of Dawson Garcia. And uh, the onus is going to be on guys like uh, Marcus Tomask and Ty Rogers to lock down defensively from the get-go, or else there might be another line shift in, in Brad Underwood's future as well in the second half. So I, I think the most surprising stat that I list, that I saw was uh, – the over-under was 155 and a half. I'm hammering that over in this game. Really? Wow. Yes. Yeah, that seems a little low. I didn't even look at that number, but uh, yeah, count me in. I, I just feel like this Illinois team, like at some point it's a pride issue, right? In terms of defense, like you would think they would showcase guys. I'm tired of getting blasted in practice. I'm tired of getting asked about it by the media in the locker room, uh, why we struggle with defense constantly. Like, at some point, pride has to show up. These these are not slow athletes either. These are not guys that are just so slow that they can't keep up. When you have a guy with the athleticism of Terrence Shannon Jr., Ty Rogers, what he can do, um, and Quincy Garrier, there is no reason why this team should struggle the way they do defensively you just got to man up and uh, showcase that this guy in front of me he's not beating me he is not getting to the bucket I'm gonna get a hand in his face if he makes a long three-point shot okay cool but he's not gonna do that again he's not gonna do that consistently he'll get his one great shot but come on don't be a turnstile like pride has to be a factor here for the Salina basketball team I want to agree with you, but again, with why is pride a factor now with four games left? You know, I You're think right. pride should have been a factor way earlier. You know, we're one of the best off, uh, defensive teams in the league coming into January, and then we just kind of had a monster fall off uh, as soon as Shannon, you know, had to, you know, miss a couple games. But even upon his return, we just never reverted back to the team that we were uh, in 2023. And now I, I just question everything. Like, you know, like you said, a team, a college basketball team that has Coleman Hawkins on it, Ty Rogers on it, and Terrence Shannon Jr. on it, all three individual very, very good defensive players should not be as bad at defense as they are currently right now. And I, for one, I can't figure it out. Actually, I'm curious. Did you pay attention to the back and forth uh, dialogue yesterday that was going on between uh, – uh, friend of the show, Stephen Bardo, and I believe a Rafael Davis. Uh, yes, it was about like the best defenders in the league or that all defensive uh, first team. And Stephen Bardo said Coleman Hawkins should be on there. And um, somebody else said Ace Baldwin Jr. should be on there. And right now, I would not give anybody on this line of basketball team any first team all defensive honors. Like, wow. I don't care how individually great Coleman is. Like, if he's so individually great, there would be differences in the scoring that Illinois has given up uh, in games that he's played in. I mean, I can't say I agree with you at all there. I, th I think, you know, what Terrence is able – or, sorry, uh, the Coleman is able to do is just, you know, his versatility in guarding one through four uh, is just so valuable to a college basketball team. And, yeah, we're having problem with our schemes on defense, I think – 
Um, it, it might just be a coaching issue. Uh, but for me, I think a first team for Coleman, at least, uh, is almost a no-brainer. We have a couple other guys who are, have the talent level to be uh, all-conference Big Ten defense, but I, I agree with you there that we shouldn't reward more than one guy, but I don't think you can pin all of this kind of on Coleman. Uh, you know, I've heard some publications talk about him uh, being mentioned, and Stephen Bardo mentioned him for uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Ten. So we're not even talking about first team, um, just because of the versatility and how he changes the game uh, on the floor at that end. But uh, interesting that you don't agree with that at all. I kind of want to go back and look at the star performer of the opponents and see who Coleman guarded just to kind of see where Coleman had those guys. Like, I, I just feel like that would be a strong indication because if he truly can guard one through five, why isn't he just on the best player all the time? Like, I feel like, but I mean, it, be... like we switch a lot, you know, like that's the problem. That's where I talk about it being our scheme. Like right. a lot of the times we just switch, switch, switch. So, you know, that's what happened against Michigan state where they knew just give it to the guy that uh, put your best score on make goody guard your best score. And they just kept getting layups. So that's why that stat in particular would be a little tricky to find because it's not just, oh, their starting center scored this many points. We'd have to really at least confirm that it was Coleman that was guarding the guy. So, you know, from what I've seen, you know, like, and it's not just highlights, but, you know, Boo Booey basically switching on to Coleman Hawkins. Now Boo Booey is going to take 99% of the center straight to the rim and score an easy layup on him. And he just couldn't dance around Coleman. Coleman had him, forced him back out to the three-point line. Um, it's that sort of defensive, just versatility that I really appreciate about Coleman. And, you know, it's like we don't need his 30-point games every day. But as long as he provides that on the defensive end, um, I think, you know, it raises this floor of our team. That is that is a good point. Let's uh, end this episode with a score Illini basketball game. It's got to be high scoring. I'm going to say 92-86 Illini. Yeah, I think that Illinois wins by six points as well. Um, where it's all going to come down to can Illinois get a couple defensive stops, and I think they ultimately will, and Illinois sneaks out of this with a victory. All right, Austin, anything else? I think that is it. Uh, we will talk about this uh, game tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what uh, defense that Illinois comes with. Uh, Sonny, thank you, uh, as always. Um, and this has been the Illini cast part of the big banter podcast network and now sponsored by Riverlands Brewing Company. Thank you, Sonny. Bye bye.